This is part two in my discussion with my good friend, Lisabeth. She's been sharing her top 10 family habits to help her family thrive rather than just survive. Now, the first nine habits were all super practical. She is so good at making life flow smoothly, finding solutions for her family that makes good, simple sense. So please go back and listen to her first nine habits in part one if you didn't get a chance to do that. Today in part two, this is not as much practical as it is deeply important. So listen up to this and then go back and catch all the life hacks that you missed in part one. Now, this is a bonus week, meaning we have two podcast episodes in one week. So next week, there will not be a new podcast episode. This is to not overload Rich, my husband and podcast editor and producer. We're doing what works for us and our family to be able to continue to bring this ministry to you. So thanks for understanding. Now, we're actually going to pick back up here just a little bit from part one to bring us into this next part two to wrap up the conversation with Lisa Beth on her family habits to thrive. Being still is a, a physical action of stopping, but it is also a mental action of not filling up our brains with a ton of stuff. And our children need that every day. You know, I was thinking before we were talking today, um, rushing home to, to meet you here and, and thinking about what we were going to be talking about. And, and just, I totally lost it. If you give me a second. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Well, shoot. I bet that was going to be really It good. was going to be good. <laughs> man. <laughs> Oh, man, it's going to be on the tip of my brain. And then you're going to be saying something. And I'm going to, oh, I've got it back. That's okay. okay. You can no. do it then. Anyway, let's move to the next. What What well, have you got for the next one? Believe it or not, I'm at my number one already. Okay. This is kind of like the Ten Commandments. I've been teaching that in my history classes. And we had to go back through and find the ten because it's not really clear. You may have to do that with this podcast. Go back through and say, oh, wait, there's one. And there's one. <laughs> yeah, because um, <laughs> I'm actually thinking you said that the two loads of laundry a day was your number one. No, that was my first good habit. Oh. But my number one oh, best so you habit. Mean the first habit you established. Yes, that helped me oh. build other good habits. I got you now. I'm, yes. I'm tracking And honestly, head. it probably is the one that when I start falling out of good habits, that's the one that sticks. Hey. Sometimes it's kind of my rebuilding point too. You will always be clean. You will the, have uh, clean, we will have, have clean clothes. clothes. That's right. <laughs> but no, my number one best habit uh, came to me from my youth minister's wife. They are missionaries now in Cambodia, but they come back every few years. And one time I was talking to her and I said, you know what I always really admired was that your children, she has four children, know the Bible so well. I said, how did you teach them so many things? Because they know the obscure things in the Old Testament. And I was ready for her to lay something really profound on me. And she kind of looked at me quizzically. She said, oh, I was way too tired to do my daily Bible reading at the end of the night. I found that I would get the kids in bed and I would sit down to do my daily Bible reading and I would fall asleep. So my solution was to read it to them because I would stay awake and they would kind of drift off. And that night I started doing that. And that was 10 years ago. And so I have read a portion of the Old Testament, a portion of the New Testament, 
a psalm. We go through the psalms twice in a year and a proverb every night to my children. My daughter's whole life, my son since he was three, I guess it's 11 years ago now. And I am so, so, so happy that I did that. I, I would not take that back. That is my number one best habit. It, it is a good time for all of us to, it signals bedtime. It's time to be quiet, time to listen. And, and they are picking up on all kinds of obscure facts, you would think. You know, they, they really know the Bible and it's just because they've heard it over and over and over. And we do obviously skip some parts. There are stories in the Old Testament that we skip. Uh, they have never heard the Song of Solomon. But uh, general, and, and sometimes they will even, especially when they were littler, they would hear me reading and I would kind of slow down and they would say, oh, bad choices. Because I would skip some parts and say, and then they made a really bad choice. And then <laughs> yeah. this happened, you know, so they would say, oh, somebody's making bad choices whenever I slowed down. Um, because some of that stuff obviously should be skipped. But someone warned me a long time ago about standing between my child and the word mm. and interpreting it for them, telling them, telling them what the Bible said. And I, it has been such a gift to them and to me to step out of the way and just read the Bible to them and let, let it do. It is not just a book. It is alive. It is living and active and it is working in their hearts in ways that I can't understand. Yeah. Um, so that is my absolute number one best habit. And yeah. it it's like two birds with one stone. Because just like my youth minister's wife said, just like Rhonda said, I'm tired. You know, but if I'm reading it aloud to them, I can't fall asleep. <laughs> and and we're all blessed by it. So that is numero uno. Yeah. God can create the wisdom in them if we give them the tools of the word, you know, that we want our kids to be wise and they cannot be wise apart from scripture. That's right. They absolutely need the wisdom that is there, but the Holy spirit that comes along with it. It's so essential. And we do a ton of audio Bible. Oh, that's great. And I have liked that because I really wrestle sometimes when I'm like right now we're doing Emma and I will read Proverbs in the morning among some other things that we're reading. But if maybe you can help me, help me know how you handle this. When I was trying that method of some Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs, mm -hmm. I felt such a, we've got to get through all of this that we didn't discuss. And I kind of feel like growing up, it wasn't discussed with me. So there were a lot of things I never understood. I didn't connect the dots to a lot of things that needed connected. And I feel like when they are left in the dark on, on some of those dots that need to be connected, when they hear the world say, the Bible contradicts itself, or, um, well, the Bible talks about you know, all of these bad things that people did. So the Bible's obviously bad. Well, no, the Bible, if you read it, you will, you see that they're telling that story in there to say they did this bad thing. And so this bad thing happened to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's not encouraging that bad behavior. It is pointing out this is bad. Right. And, <laughs> and the reality, that. humanity, I mean, we are fallen yes, beings. We, right. we are sinful. That's the thing. Yeah, we can't save ourselves. That's if, the a main part of the story. So helping 
helping them to kind of interpret or apply what is in there connects those dots so that they are less drawn by the world's false statements about scripture, which really you could call this apologetics. Right. You know, the, right. the term apologetics is why we believe what we believe. Uh, it's understanding what we believe. And so how do you fit in apologetics into your life with your kids? Because I know that they are wise. They don't just have scripture memorized, but they do understand it as well. And so what what helps with that? Well, I would say that this, if you're incorporating Bible into your life, this would be a good starting point, but it is not an ending point. Um, one, we have an excellent Bible curriculum that we use. What is so, it? So it's called Bible Study Guide for All Ages. That okay. is truly the name. It is okay. super long. And I think the website even is, the. it's maybe like Bible Study Guide, but I've never even it's heard called of it. Bible Study Guide for All Ages. Okay. And they have worksheets. The worksheets are what we have ended up using. They have timelines and maps and those are excellent, but they're also incorporated in some of these worksheets. So part of their desk work also is to do their Bible worksheet, which just takes them through the, it's not in chronological order. When you start with lesson one, it kind of starts with major events through the Bible. So you're going to have, you know, creation and Noah and the Tower of Babel and Abram and Moses and David and Saul and or Saul and David and Solomon and then the divided kingdom and you're also going to they're going to intersperse major stories about Jesus and then the next year you go through you're going to cover you're going to go back over those things a little shorter and cover some smaller events in between but it's a four-year curriculum so you end up hitting everything and they're at different levels uh, my children are all probably one level behind where they should be because I overbought <laughs> so I haven't promoted them but it has just instructions, you know, read this passage depending on your age. Or if you're really young, it will say what happened in the story and then ask questions about it. And then there's apply sections and there's uh, wonderful summary cards. Those are excellent. That's a wonderful resource to get from there where they look at a picture and they can tell you what the book of the Bible is because of the things that are in it. For instance, oh, wise sayings will be on the front of the Proverbs card or... Uh, Naomi and Ruth walking towards Bethlehem will be in the on the Ruth card or whatever. Let's put but, a link in yeah, the yeah, show yeah. notes yeah. so that they can look this yeah, up. Yeah, I talked about that way too much. Just no, no, Bible study good. guide for all okay. ages. So they have a great Bible curriculum. And we discuss that every morning in school. But You discuss night, it because they're on the same... They are all doing the same lesson. Okay. They're all doing the same lesson at different levels based on their worksheet. Okay. So I would just say the Bible curriculum helps mm-hmm. us discuss things yeah. that um, I would pull out to them. Yeah. But while I'm reading the Bible, they're welcome to ask questions as yeah. we go along. And I think one of the things, the reason the argument, the Bible contradicts itself, wouldn't work with one of my children, is that they've heard the Bible mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. So people who make arguments like that usually have not read the yeah. Bible. They mm-hmm. usually will say things like, well, I know it says this here and this here. Mm-hmm. And, and there are mysteries in scripture. Mm-hmm. I can't, who killed King Saul? I, I don't know. Did, did his life end when he fell on his sword, on his spear, or did, did his armor bearer kill him? They're both mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures, Deuteronomy, I think it's twenty nine twenty nine. 29. 
Moses tells the people, God has revealed some things to us and we're responsible for those. And he has not revealed some things to us and we're not responsible for those. That's a paraphrase. But that's the truth. He, mm-hmm. We are responsible for what he has revealed. And I think when we read scripture, we need to keep that responsibility at the front of our mind. We are literate people with multiple copies mm-hmm. of Bibles in our homes. And we're responsible for that. Yeah. We need to know what it says. He has revealed some things to us and we are responsible for it. So at the front of our minds is, okay, what is God telling me? You know, ha- I need to know what he's telling me so that mm-hmm. I can do it. And then also at the back of our minds, some of this is going to be mysterious. He is God. He is an infinite being yes. who lives outside of time and creation, and we are we are blessed to be able to understand what we can understand about him. If we could comprehend all aspects about God and his ways and his systems and everything, well, what kind of a God would he be? You know, right. he wouldn't be very amazing because I'm not. Right. You know, and and part of being his his children is the humility to say, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but I can tell you what I do know and it will change your life. Mm -hmm. So I love it. Now you all can see why I just love being friends with Lisa Beth. Well, I love you too. I want to throw in a unplanned question. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So you and I had a conversation several months ago about Mm -hmm. a book that you had recently read. And interestingly, when you had read that book, I had listened to the author share her story on oh. a podcast. Okay. So I have not read the book, but she was very thorough. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really long, like hours long. So, yes. I mean, I listened to it over multiple days. So I'm very familiar with the same material. Mm-hmm. And so we had a conversation about it. And this is the book, Irreversible Damage yes. by Abigail Schreier. Yes. And this is a super tough conversation. So this is like a five minute plug at the end of what we're doing today. Okay, I guess you could say for the book. Here's the deal. Our society is swirling out of control. Yeah, on so many issues in life. But one of them is about identity, kids identity. And this book is written about the damage, whether it is sex hormones to take or whether it is surgeries that these kids are getting, sometimes even without their parents' knowledge, different states have different laws. It is so heartbreaking. It is. That permanent decisions are happening without very long, thorough decision-making process, for one thing. We shouldn't do anything in life that's so physically permanent Without a major, you know, let's take this very seriously, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, Mm -hmm. I will just throw in with this. This is not a Christian author, but this gal did a ton of research. The things she said struck home with me so much. Such an important warning for parents. So can you kind of give them a summary of this book in case they want to? This was a book that I was not going to read uh, because I did not think it applied to my life at all. It, the subtitle is um, something about the transgender craze and how it's affecting our girls or something like that. And I had heard people talk about it on different podcasts. And just like I said, it didn't apply to me. But I have a three recommendations rule where if three people who know me well recommend a book, I'll read it. And so I got the third recommendation on this book and I read it. And when I finished it, I think I mentioned it to you because I think that 
uh, all Christian parents should read this book, especially if you have girls, but also just because our children are going to grow up with people who are affected by this. And she makes the argument that there are so many girls doing this because uh, they just get caught up in it. It is not. It is an adolescent thing like the, the pregnancy packs of old when girls would get together and all get pregnant at the same time in high school or um, things like that, that it's just a kind of a fad that, that girls get sucked into. And she, I think she's an investigative journalist, and so she did a lot of research, interviewed a lot of families, and her findings were that these girls would basically get coached up before they decided to tell their parents. So they wouldn't, typically they don't say, you know, I kind of feel like I might be a boy. By the time they would say to their parents, I think I'm a boy, they would know the parents' questions, they would know the parents' objections, and they would have all the answers to those because they had basically been coached. And in that time of life, when you're searching for your identity, this is you know, you're separating from your parents. You know you're a different person, but you don't know who that person is. And we all know the answer is in Christ. But also there's a waiting time there. Even, even when we realize that our identity is in Christ, that doesn't really become who we are sometimes until in adulthood. We all of a sudden realize that, that what that means. And so it's just a time of searching for who you are. And there's this group of people telling you who you are. And then there's this whole lifestyle of the things that you need to do to make yourself more of who you are. And there's this loving community that's going to support you through this because we know the whole world's going to be against you. And so we will love you uh, unless you change your mind, which is an important thing. Uh, once you've made this decision, socially, you cannot back out. Uh, they will cancel you. Uh, and canceling people of this age is is worse than death, you know, for them. So... I now highly recommend it. Uh, I think it gives you so much insight into what appears to just be crazy behavior. If, if a person went to a psychologist and said, I think I'm a dog, the psychologist would try to talk them out of it. Generally speaking, though, even that is becoming uh, more acceptable. So anyway, it, it helps to understand what's happening. It helps to understand what happens to these people once they make this kind of confession which is what it essentially is. And also her pointers, she has a top 10 recommendations list at the back um, that is surprising. And I would recommend that you get it from the library and read it if just for those tips, if nothing else, because it is impressive that a non-Christian did all this research and came up with recommendations that you might think would be at the back of a, of a Christian book. <laughs> I just want to add to this. This is not us saying that every situation is just exactly what was just described in this book. But parents need to understand trends that are happening that their kids are getting exposed to or might be wrestling with and they have no idea. Um, so we need to know about trends. That's one thing. And we also need to know when the the hearts and minds and identity of our children are being um there's there's a wrestling match going out there you know right. scripture says that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood but it's it's actually in the heavenlies there's an enemy of our soul who wants to um make us ineffective make us feel worthless and wants to confuse us and all 
all of these things, we need to become as parents, as informed as possible of the different tactics that is happening today to our kids, against our kids. And, and that, this is not us saying that we don't love. <laughs> we, we love any kid in any situation and any decision that they're making. So this is not about us pointing a finger and saying, oh, they're bad. It is about us informing parents and especially the irreversible damage. Um, one aspect of that is these medical decisions that are being made while kids are kids. You know, whether it's hormone medications or whether it is surgeries, we are talking about very huge decisions being led by kids. Mm-hmm. And we need to take this so seriously and think it through as parents. So there's your left turn on the end (laughs) of a habit podcast. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining me. Thanks about this was awesome. I want to have you again. That would be fun. My intentional mom friend, it's an honor to meet with you every week to help equip and encourage you in your worthy journey of being mama to your masterpiece. If this podcast is a blessing to you, won't you please take the time to share it with moms that you know, and then head over to practicallyspeakingmom.com to subscribe to my weekly email containing a blog post and podcast Join me on Instagram at Practically Speaking Mom and in the private Facebook group, Intentional Mom Strong Family. 